Greetings, greetings, good people. What is going on? My name is Adon Bean. This is Off the Record. It's happy to be here with each and every single one of y'all. Like we never left, uh, I got my good homie uh, Dan Duncan with me. What's up, sir? Man, it's good to be here. Yes, I'm on Baby Watch 2017 right now. I I I I saw your I saw your lovely wife, and she looks like she has been eyeing her her potential baby as well too. Yes, like it is. She... It is now becoming a a game okay. where it's how do we get this child out of me? I see. And I so see. we are now on that train of like we eat eggplant, we mm-hmm. go eat spaghetti with octopus in it. Right, 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 right. Because right. it just might. <laughs> just help might. us get through <laughs> absolutely and there is a and the due date is when saturday saturday okay we are recording on a wednesday evening if there is an abrupt stop ladies and gentlemen <laughs> it is because uh the young man could not wait he needed to get out here in these streets which uh we can talk about later in this episode as to why he would want to rush to be here because it's pretty bad it's pretty bad on planet Earth at the moment. <laughs> it but, is. But, uh, he should stay safe and warm. I think the I think the safest place to be is in the arms of the Lord and <laughs> and his mother's belly. Yes. <laughs> but, yes. Uh, There's electricity there. <laughs> there is no global warming. Oh it my is ninety eight point six degrees. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. And like we'll discuss later, he won't be forced to leave uh, with. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he's well, gonna stay with the. He's, he's gonna he's gonna fight the good fight and stay as long as he can. I wonderful, think. wonderful. Uh, yes, but it is not just you and I on this episode. I don't know where uh, David is in these streets. Is he uh, being famous? Being I think, famous, I, and I also think that we had four more qualified people to be on this show. Than very him. true. Very true. I mean, <laughs> he definitely he definitely doesn't meet the meet the standard (laughs) meet the standard because uh we've left the mainland for this episode that's right i want to be very clear that's right (laughs) we We have gone through all of the time zones in order to find our next person absolutely and that would be a long time uh lurking in the shadows fourth district uh contributor uh sean little what is up sir Yo, yo, yo. It's six hours earlier than Atlanta, Georgia. Wonderful. Uh, reporting live from the Hawaiian island of Maui, where my wife and daughter and I have been for four days. Okay. Uh, but it's good to be here. Wonderful. Tell us how the future is. Are we still there? Are we still alive in the future? Well, I'm, I'm behind y'all. So oh, y'all you tell said me you're what behind. Like. Oh, I thought you said you were ahead of... Okay, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can report that we're still living and um, warnings though there's hydrogen bombs and other things. Uh, yeah, there's future. a lot of things that uh man. that are coming your way. But um mm. but we're happy man you're with us man. Uh so you said you've been out there for 4 days and 4 days only. Yeah, well, this could be a long story but I'll make it short. We've been in Hawaii for almost a month now. Uh, we moved to the big island on the bottom of the chain which is properly called Hawaii. Um and we were between two different cities because of some environmental issues, fire ants. Uh, and we wanted to get over to Maui anyway. And thankfully, we found some provision. And here we are. So we've been here for four days. That's what's up. That's what's yeah. up. Well, we're happy that, uh, you know, technology is such that we can shorten the distance and we're all together yeah. in the 
in the podcast world. Via so. the fourth district Thanks. satellite. Yes, just yes. for y'all. Absolutely. Thanks. Um, Thanks for having me. Excited yeah. to be here. Yeah, yeah. And we've kept it official because we also have uh brought in as well some more uh fourth district longtime contributors, however, first time podcasters. Um I'm so happy because the uh the IQ level has been raised. The Exponentially. <laughs> yes. The one and only Corn Reed is here. Hello, lady. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Glad to be on the flagship franchise. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Although I don't like the sound of my voice. No, so please. You get used no. to it. You get used no, to it. There's a specific voice that I want. Like, <laughs> okay. like if you think about, okay, so a Mc, like a announcer for McDonald's breakfast commercials wow. on urban radio. Wow. Isn't that the first? That's hella specific. <laughs> and I like the fact that you had a goal. Like you had a goal in mind. Like <laughs> I don't make that target, but... <laughs> Well, we we are certainly certainly happy that you and your voice have found your way to uh yes flagship enterprise you um i guess we had you on espn2 for a while i don't know if that <laughs> that's fair to say like but no you were you were definitely uh definitely contributing to our written word which we are getting that geared back up we'll talk a little bit more in the, later in the episode about some other things that we have rolling out with fourth district um and you are still actively writing as well too there yes. might be some things coming along the pi- coming down yes. the pipeline but most importantly for those that do not know Tell us a little bit about yourself, Corin, if you do not mind. And um, if you don't brag on yourself, we will do it. We will pick you. up the slack. We will make up things as well. Um, I like long walks in the park. <laughs> no. um, so, yeah, so I'm a big nerd. So I'm a data scientist. So I do like a lot of machine learning and artificial intelligence. So I think mm-hmm. that's fun and like writing code and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you are in... Uh, you studied you studied at where uh georgia tech georgia tech yes i went to bed at 10 p.m thinking all was good and then i woke up and i was like what happened so football they they disappoint me but i'm still i'm still there for them even though they're not there for me they're not the yellow jackets have long left uh long left from you but um and uh there's a Oh, what's that? What's that magazine? What's that notable? It's a small publication. It's a small publication that um, it's not. You didn't get five mics in the source. You did not get double XL. You got what was it? Oh yeah, was it was it top? What was it? Thirty under thirty? What was it? Yeah, for the, there's this. It starts with an F. Yeah, that's right. It was oh yeah, Forbes magazine. You were listed in Forbes magazine. Can, yeah. Can, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. I think I remember that. Oh, okay. We remember that. <laughs> we do. We remember that. It's the uh, only time I bought a magazine in the century. <laughs> no, but like that was uh that was was that listed last year or earlier yeah, this year? So it was 2017. So I guess it came out in January. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Wow. And like, how did you? How were you informed of this? Like, I never got a any correspondence so from Forbes the magazine. magazine, like Twitter. Uh, no. So no. Before that, um, there was. I guess there was a nomination and so then they since I was nominated they sent me an application and they answered mm-hmm. a bunch of questions and then but they didn't tell me and then the magazine came out or at least the online portion came out yeah and then I found out that way so see and 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 the exact title the exact branding was what top what was it I keep 30 under 30 in science so I made the nerd list which is cool <laughs> I've made, I've not made one list. Okay. Right. right. <laughs> one list connected the four. I've not even made like 
a subscribers list of Forbes. Like I'm, I'm, I'm nowhere, nowhere on Forbes right now. I get added to these like whack ass like Twitter lists of people like they're like that like right. someone follows me and then I click on like oh I got added to this like entrepreneur list and yeah. then like I find out that it's like one dude in Kentucky made this list. Yeah, that's my list. I am on I am on a uh, Russian bot list. <laughs> I, I am on uh uh. MAGA list uh, I, I'm also on uh, I'm also if I'm being I'm also on somebody's like uh, like someone's natural hair care list I, like someone has put me there too but again all of these lists pale in comparison albino pale in comparison to being listed uh, in Forbes which is a big accomplishment thank and you we're, we're, too we're, kind too yeah kind. we're just happy you're here with us slumming it with us no uh, this is better this is like <laughs> That is what. This is my first time here, right? Just, well, that's true. This is a big honor. So. That's <laughs> yeah. That's we'll see if you feel the same way in about an hour. <laughs> no, but uh, but yeah. So again, this is this is all still fourth family. Uh, mm-hmm. definitely. Shouts out to David. Shouts out to Show. Shouts out to Yvette. Uh, and everyone. y'all prayers up to Yvette. Did okay. You, did you hear this news today? I, I did not hear. She it. lost her dad today. I am super sorry to hear all of that. Yeah, so oh, man. prayers up to you, Vet. I, I know um, that it's been a, you. yeah. I know it's been oh, a man. touch and go. Her dad um, came down with pneumonia, mm-hmm. so if y'all think of her, uh, definitely show some love to her on on Twitter. Absolutely, our our hearts, mind, all, all prayers, everything going towards her. And I, I also am aware, like her, um, they they recently celebrated an anniversary, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, That's like. Right. Maybe like a like a month or two ago, not too long ago. So, um, but yes, please send some love her way. Um, and uh, and that's what family does. That's what family is. So we are happy that we are all here to talk about because we. I think we all kind of need some love as well too. With the week, last couple weeks that have been going on. Um, most recently, uh, man, like, well, you know, I guess I wanted to catch up and make sure everybody was cool, but. I would say we got over this long holiday or, you know, extended holiday or whatever, or long weekend rather. And uh, it was somewhere, I want to say maybe Saturday slash Sunday, heard some initial rumblings about um, what was going to be announced regarding uh, regarding DACA. Um <laughs> Keep saying it. Yeah, I don't know. It just it sounds like a mumble rap ad lib. Like it sounds like a you know, blocka blocka daka. But uh, yes, <laughs> a very serious thing. Deferred action for childhood arrivals program. And um, but what you know, uh, I think the official did the official announcement though come Monday. Monday? Was it Monday? So it was literally on Labor Day. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> interesting. And I and I say interesting almost from the perspective of like timing is not something that this administration is not aware of because they had a very uh very revelatory remarks about the pardoning of um Sh- uh, was it Sheriff our our yeah our page I want to keep I, is yeah it I think that's it I wanted to make it like a musical note like arpeggio or something like that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah um but I think explicitly you know it was reported that the choice to uh kind of um kind of pardon him came from you know or, or because there was like other things happening with Hurricane Harvey and things like that so anyway nonetheless uh. You know, I guess 
what we want to talk about with the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program or DACA, um, this affects about close to like a million people. It's like 800,000. 800,000. Yeah. Um, And what you have here is, and you guys feel free to jump in if I'm uh, summarizing this incorrectly, but you have parents who arrived in this country uh, or who illegally entered this country and uh, were these children born here or did they just were did children come with them? I think they came came yeah, with them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, came the, under 16 or something. Yeah, like that. I, I know they were definitely uh, young um, and they have been here for the majority of their lives, <laughs> essentially. Like this is the country that they have known. Um, and once there was kind of like a big push, I want to say, um, explicitly with the last administration, but I think it'd been discussed for a few administrations, but a big push to kind of bring these children out of like darkness, essentially like let yourself be known so we can start working towards whatever citizenship needs to look like for you, because they're just, they were in this precarious situation where it was like, it kind of doesn't make sense to send them back home when they've been here for this long and ultimately what had occurred was there was like um uh you know I, the statistics i might have a little bit wrong but it's something crazy like like close to like 91% employment for these 800,000 mm-hmm. um uh you know daca uh uh participants or mm-hmm. people who are part of this program mm-hmm. um 800 uh, like 91% employment um and i think uh I think also like they have paid, they pay taxes mm-hmm. or they pay an extra mm-hmm. uh, fee, yeah. fee tax, whatever you want to, some levy uh, against, you know, for that they pay annually or some semi annual something like that to where we are receiving tax dollars from them as well for the fact that they are in the status. 400 million annually. $400 million annually simply Golly. for them. Like they are paying just to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and there was another statistic I can't. I'm going off the top of the head. 100 percent have no criminal record. That's yeah. the other part I was going to get to. You yeah. get to you're mm. disqualified from DACA if you have a criminal record. Right. So wow, these are not like when it, when you hear these kind of um, doomsday stories and narratives around uh, kind of illegal um, immigration and things like that. This really does not uh meet the standard to what that to what we to what we typically discuss when we are talking about this and um certainly not when uh our current president uh initially showed up and made his arrival down that escalator of death and said uh at his campaign rally that like Mexicans are largely like Mexicans that come here are rape, rapists you know that that type of thing uh but regardless what is interesting about it all is that like this this what the president has decided to do is uh in this program but stagger it like six months out right like it will be ending within uh, it'll be ending six months from now but he is saying that he wants congress to create a solution for this is that right i'm i'm kind of talking off the top of the head is is that he basically became the coward that he is and was like because he has the power to to take an executive order and and basically bake this into existence, like you cannot do this. Mm-hmm. 
anymore. But he's like, nah, I'm gonna it's a little let Pontius Con- Pilate. I'm gonna let, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna let Congress do this, mm-hmm. and uh, and if he if they don't, he'll do something about it. I did see that. He said, I'll step in if if they don't. But it is it is a very interesting thing, and I think just on a to speak really quickly on the political la- on the political side of it, there is a way that this is like a win for him because it feeds his base mm-hmm. who want him to take some action on you know what is seen as um just uh or, or what is viewed as our immigration issue and so this takes a step towards immigration reform in the sense of like it feeds kind of a, uh the the most hardcore rabid part of his base of making some action there but then it also kind of removes responsibility from him because he's like Congress, you guys get it. You guys get this together, which, you know, there's longstanding kind of, uh, you know, approval polls that has to do with the fact that like Congress is viewed at an all time low as well. And, and there being some disparities sometimes between how we view our own particular congressman versus how we view Congress in general. But regardless, um, yeah, like it's 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 just fascinating that this is where we are. And when you seen the re- when you see the reaction of course via twitter but via like real life people these people are all throughout this country they contribute in various ways throughout you know our economy um it isn't this isn't something that's simply coastal you know what i mean this isn't something that just hits the bookends of our country and so um i don't know you guys like what what were your first thoughts when you when you heard about this sean if anything yeah well it's a fascinating comment that you make about uh you know, feeding his base or appealing to a certain subset of people. If that's the case, it seems like such a cheap shot. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. why go after the protected kids? Yeah, yeah. It's a cheap shot. It's an easy move. It's like low hanging fruit. I don't know. And that just doesn't. That's just bogus to me. And it, um, it, it 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 had the just for clarity. It had the bullseye because it was an Obama administration initiative. Right. So it be it's just that's like the other part, yeah. uh, you know, healthcare. It was it, it's marked as an Obama thing. So mm-hmm. the, his base is very much uh, uh, anything that carries that name or that moniker. Right. I guess I should say. And it seems like for this, every argument that you have against immigration reform, it breaks down in this scenario. Because they did not commit any crime. They're here. Mm-hmm. Um, they just came here with their parents. They're here working or serving in the military or going to school um, and doing their thing. And it's not easy to get in this program. Um, people don't understand how difficult it is to get in these type of programs, to even to get visas and things like that. Um, someone that I work with, her start date had delayed um, because she had visa issues and I was kind of wondering what the process was. And she said mm-hmm. there was a whole panel of scientists that were dissecting her research and reviewing to see if she's worthy of coming in. Like she's wow. brilliant, but she had to jump through all of these hoops. And so, I mean, it's not easy to get here. And so to punish these kids, is just crazy. Mm. And then to tell them to go back to another country where they don't know that's, that's, um, that's very scary. Um, I had sort of not a similar experience, but I remember one time I was on my way to Brazil for some kind of workshop mm-hmm. and I was, I didn't, I didn't know I need to get a visa cause I was just not paying attention. Sure. So I was in, so the, the group had already gone there and then I was, um, then I was still in the whatever visa office and I kind of went down there and I thought, Oh, I can go without the group. 
and I'll use public transportation. But it's dumb. Like, mm. it's Brazil. So I got, like, lost <laughs> in the slums of Brazil. Okay. And it was, like, finally some, like, random old man, like, helped me find the bus. My mom <laughs> thinks he was an angel or something. But the whole point is, like... Mom might not be wrong. <laughs> but what if, I mean, what if that was me? They're like, hey, go to, you know, yeah. hang out there and that's your life. And, you know. Sure. And, that's just it's crazy yeah it's crazy i mean it's yeah it's interesting to say that you know to to paint a more um uh a holistic picture of what what occurred like when the question is asked why doing this now it was stating that like on in june there were 11 attorney generals uh largely from attorneys general let me be the english major that i am and properly pluralize that attorneys general from conservative states like texas arkansas west virginia and kansas who threatened to sue the trump administration unless it took steps by september 5th to end the program um for months senior trump officials um have expressed concern that daca would not stand up in court and um the attorney general jeff attorney's sessions um, Attorney General Sessions said that reportedly told the president that the Justice Department would not defend the program if it did get taken to court or whatever. So um, this is, a, a, of course, reporting by uh, PBS. But it, there there are these kind of positions where it was like um, where Trump did ha- feel some pressure from his base to make some action and to do something. I do think, though, that it is. It it is interesting because this this particular president, more than others, I would say, even more than uh, you know George W. Bill Clinton, uh, George Senior, like this president more than anyone has been very vocal about what he can get done. Like like it was very much like when I get in office, what I'll be able to do is this, and like it's just very fascinating that in this position where it's like okay, like. It is on you. Like, what are you going to do? He's like, yeah, well, Congress, this is like, now's your time. And it's like, okay, wait a second. When did this happen? Um, But yeah, I, you know, it's, it is very tough. There's been some really, really heart wrenching stories Mm -hmm. uh, that have come out around like people who, I mean, have been here since they were like five years old, you know what I mean? And they're just like, all they know is the United States. And even some, even, you know, I was reading one that, um, I think, uh, her name is, uh, well, she, she is not the writer of this, but she kind of put this, uh, kind of publicized this Judy Wu Dominic, in which she talked about the, um, the, uh, someone who was just like, Hey, like my parents moved to another country. Like they, like my parents came here, uh, in their thirties. I'd like to think I can do that as well too, you know, but she's just like, it just sucks. Like, like being not wanted in a place that you've been and been contributing to, you know what I'm saying? I think on some level we lose kind of just, I don't mean to be like super liberal about or super like hippie about it, but like just the straight humanity aspect of it. Like if like I'm in my mid thirties, if someone was just like, yeah, I need you to kind of leave here because you're just not wanted you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what would that do to me? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what differentiates cr- me from the person down the street. Yeah, it's just it's crazy, you know, because these are. Well, these, yeah. Can, jump in. Sean. I just I just think that's such a hard that. I mean, you're talking about empathy, and I think that that's mm. a skill set that has to be cultivated and has to be uh, consciously gone after, especially, I think, in an American culture where 
why I don't need to care about you. I don't have any use for you. I don't have you don't have any value. We're all autonomous and free and independent. So if you're asking me to empathize with someone else's struggle, I think that's fundamentally uh, almost sort of anti, you know, mm. sort of modern American. Like being out in Hawaii for the last uh, month, we've had three homes uh, and we were only supposed to have one home. We depend on people's mercy to sort of let us be short term renters and all of that. It's completely foreign. It's unknown. It's still America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have, I think, the. Uh, maybe privilege or the assets and the technology to be able to navigate our way around over here. But it's not easy. But the point is, how many people know what it's like to not have a home? How many people know what it's like to be displaced or go from one place to the next? And without having that experience or pursuing uh, cultivating empathy on your own, you know, sort of terms, I just don't think that people can feel that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. To Corden's point, like just traveling, me and my wife travel often. Mm-hmm. And being in countries that you don't speak the language and you are, it is not your culture and the food is not your food and you're just like, feel so out of place. And then when that moment where like someone does help you and does accept you, you're like, oh gosh, like we share something. Right. Like yeah. I am, we, we are human together. Right. And um, I, I just think that those experiences, then you come back and you realize like, oh, I can be that for other people. But if you never have that experience and you do mm-hmm. live in this American bubble where like you believe you own this shit mm-hmm. like, yeah. mm-hmm. and you don't have a concept of actually it was you, your ancestors took that from somebody else mm-hmm. and just have this, the 30,000 foot view instead of this nationalist bordering on fascist, the longer we go along here, uh, view of, of how, who owns this country. It's, it's very scary, but I do for a second, if, if we can take a right hand turn here, I think it's valuable to at least have a conversation around in, if we take the, the president's best words in the best terms that we possibly can, which is he basically made the argument that, you know, there has to be a rule of law in -hmm. order for people to come in this country. And we're basically excusing and encouraging illegal immigration into this country. That is the very, very most rose colored glasses that I could possibly look at his motivation. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. for argument's sake and for this podcast sake, let's have that discussion. Okay. Is there a place to say that illegal immigration is a problem and that we should do something about it and not have programs that that positively influence more illegal immigration? I think, well, uh, on a broad level, yes, illegal immigration is a problem. Uh, I think that um, I would I would question whether or not this program would be categorized in the way in which uh you know you did for the purpose of the question which is to say that this encourages illegal immigration um if anything i would say that what what happened with the last administration in the in the formation of what we have come to know them as the dreamers is essentially like hey this has been a this has been a problem like this was this wasn't created Uh, by the last administration or the administration prior to that. Like, you know, uh, George W. didn't create this either. Like this was an ongoing thing that was occurring. Now, what I think we could probably have, 
if we want to broaden the conversation, what we could probably have is what what uh, what has been occurring um, within with regards to trade and with regards to Mexico's infrastructure, because let's be clear, all of these dreamers aren't Mexican, but there are a large amount of them that are. Um, But I think there's like there's a certain percentage that are like Guatemalan. There's certain percentage. And and there's even like, yeah, yeah, there's very, very amounts. But point being that you I think we should question or have a conversation around um, helping to build other countries' economies so that there isn't this desire to be like the only place I can go for refuge. Mm -hmm. The only place I can go for living is America and and like going illegally and then never, re- you know what I'm saying? Never coming back to my land or to my home country, because this was not this, the put it like this, this was not the problem that it is now. It wasn't this way 20 years ago, hmm. 25 years ago. Um, there was an issue, but like we're seeing some market upticks in ways that I think make us question like what's happening with North American economies in general, you know, and why why this disparity is occurring between the U.S. economy, Mexico's economy, Canada, whatever you want to say. But um, but yeah, I, I, at least that's my initial re- reaction to your question around, um, you know, taking Trump, I think, at his at his best self uh, and his best words and his best intentions, the idea to create some type of law that uh helps this or that at least changes this um kind of amorphous status that these people have Mm -hmm. existed in um yeah i think that 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 is a worthwhile thing to do i vehemently disagree with this being the way to do it sure absolutely corn what do you think yeah so i think from a broad perspective yes there's a lack of resources we can't annex the entire world if Mm -hmm. everyone there's not enough room so there's limited resources so yes, but as a starting point, this program, it just doesn't compute. Like there are other measures that you can do. I'm not saying the border wall because that's stupid, but I mean, there's other- <laughs> The I mean- <laughs> see-through border wall, mind you. I just want to be clear. The glass, yes, whatever. He, 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 yeah. he elaborated. I just, I don't think we've talked enough about the fact that he wants his wall to be see-through so you can see the bag of drugs that jump over and land on you. Bless his heart. Yeah. Please look that up, Sean. Uh. I'm speaking direct quotes. Okay. Facts only. (laughs) Facts only. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. Yes. So yeah, something, because this is just not a good starting point for discussion, not this um, program. But no, I think um, something needs to be done. And I understand um, so I guess one of his points was that the executive order was executive overreach and you didn't have the power to do that. Fine, if that's what you believe, give us uh, at least a compassionate tweet instead of saying, well, if they don't do something, I'll do. Give us like a smiley face or I care about the children. Like Trump loves the kids. Something. <laughs> Trump loves the kids. Yeah. I, I guess I just have one thought. I'm sorry. I just want to throw this in no, there jump again. In. Yeah. And maybe I'm thinking too human, too empathetic again, but I'm on, you know, Pew Research and they estimate uh, 2015, 11 million unauthorized immigrants. 2016, they estimated 11.3 million. You got all those people to deal with Mm. and you got to go after the 800,000 kids. Yes. Right. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. That are documented yeah. and are yeah. <laughs> right. like paying taxes. Like we got an eye on them. Yeah. Like we know what they're in and that and to your earlier uh humane point, uh hippie little, is that when you had said <laughs> that uh that you know, thinking about it empathetically, I agree like it's tough cuz I've heard I've heard even some criticisms from uh I've heard a criticism. I don't want to say that this was a large thing, but there was a dreamer who spoke out about the fact that, hey, like I have an issue with the way that people who oppose Trump's like uh, decision to end DACA, uh, like I have an issue with that because they're just like, hey, like I'm I'm a human. I'm not just, you know, I'm not just the fact that I'm, you know, employed. I'm not just the fact that I'm whatever. But the unfortunate part about it is what you said, Sean, is that like, in a capitalist society, we look at people for utility, like on a utility mm-hmm. basis. And so the idea is, yo, like what, um, what usage are you to our what's GDP, country? What's your GDP? Yeah. Like what, what can you do? And so that in turn makes you valuable mm-hmm. to the idea of America in this way that is like, fun, that I agree with fundamentally makes us, you know, something other than human when mm. we when we talk about people in these ways mm. but um but to your point yeah like these these are the people you go after like after already after already having the largest like a discussion about like all like so many government agencies being overtaxed at this point with regard to bandwidth what they are able to handle at this point and ice has been very uh vocal about the fact that like yo like we we are working incredibly hard at this point because they are they are doing a lot of, you know, I don't know a better way to say it, but a lot of roundup at this point. Like mm-hmm. they there's been stories about the Dorville area here in Atlanta and just a lot of there's a lot of a inter- lot of I don't know another way to describe it, but interesting tactics that are used to kind of suss out and flesh out like who's living here illegally and Mm -hmm. there are a lot of conversations and a lot of people who have been detained are being removed and it's just like oh and you want to add this on top as well too where you're like really these people these people but to me the economics of it don't necessarily make sense and i'm not an economist but you got the mayor of chicago saying look you guys are welcome to stay in Chicago. And there's a scholarship program set up specifically for these students as long as they stick within parameters. They can go to um, local state college. Schools. What, yeah, state, state schools, schools for free. You have an investment in these human beings who potentially may uh, one day be a citizen uh, that it just seems like a bad ROI that mm-hmm. you have people who have been here for X amount of time understand the culture maybe have a job whatever have education and are seeking to build a life and contribute something to the economy so even you know the dollars and cents of it don't necessarily make sense again i'm not an economist maybe i'm wrong but it just seems bogus doesn't that happen not to mention the fact that a lot of major businesses have been very vocal about Mm -hmm. their opposition to this from microsoft Mm -hmm. to apple to you know, it's, there's a lot of companies who have just come out and been like, yeah, no, nah, this is not going to work. And now 15 states have also filed lawsuits against the Trump administration for filing hmm. this or starting this whole process of kind of de- defunding DACA and, and, and all those things. Um, is the United States a terrible idea? It, like just on a broad level, like you have like the idea of the United States. Does this just not make sense? Because if you have that many states who are suing 
the president right because they're like i don't like like that was a terrible idea but if we just take the president on his own terms and say well he had to do something because he had a list of states who were also going to sue him if he didn't do something about this right is the idea of america just flawed in general I, I, i mean i i think that you this is why we have congress this is why like president trump opened up this can of worms for himself where he is listening to everyone via Twitter, right? Like, in responding to people. True. Like, President Obama never, you never heard of anything like this, like, where a state felt like they could influence the president on such a level mm. by um, pressuring him into doing something. It's like, no, you, there's, there's recourse for all of your feelings, and it is the, the floor of Congress. True. And you can, you can pass anything you want to mm-hmm. if we all agree. So I, do, I still do believe in a United States of America. I do think it works, and I think it's proven itself to be uh, a positive force for those living here um, in this country. Now... I would like to kind of, and so I think that answers that question to some extent, but I also think that we as a country need to stop and we need to own the fact, Adon, you pointed this out earlier, that a large reason that the state of Central and South America and and, and North America in general, uh, that the state of outside the United States that it's in such bad a such bad place is because we the United States have led coups on a consistent basis over the last fifty years, replacing dictators with other with our own dictators, um, especially in Central America. That and it created a scorched earth policy that we led, and now resources are at such a minimum in these countries that we are the only ones left on mm, the block, mm-hmm. and so. It's a lot, you know, I took this stance when ISIS came out. I took this stance when, you know, we were were fighting the Taliban. We have, America needs to stand up and own its place in history as the driving force for a lot of our worst enemies. Mm. And, and, and we, and once we, I'm not saying that that makes it right. I'm Mm. not saying that, that, that any dictator now in power is rightfully placed there and we, by us. But what I am saying is, we at least need to look at the people trying to get in this country and understand like we as a country have responsibility in the state of their country. Yeah. I wonder if, and you guys can jump in on this too, but I'm wondering like if, if, if America did not show a better version of itself when we were more concerned with communism, because like the way in which we treated Mexico when we were concerned about USSR and yes. Cuba and any of the, you know, like we were concerned about the spread of this crazy idea of communism. We were like, well, you know, when you look at those, when you look at those um, uh, Republican debate and the conversation between, you know, the debate between Ronald Reagan and George Bush Sr. And you hear them talk about immigration, you hear them talk about Mexico, you're just like, good Lord. These mm. bleeding liberals. Look at these guys. Yeah, like, that Reagan speech. <laughs> yes, where he's like, basically, <laughs> doc, pro DACA. Yeah. Reagan is 
guess you're not the party of Reagan anymore. <laughs> party it's bizarre, but like you hear it, and but like I think what was looming over them was this specter of communism and what can occur if we let the red forces take over and and yeah. and lose them to this terrible idea and so i'm curious like with the fall of the ussr as we as we knew it growing up and and with you know imp, you know essentially cuba's yes still com- but i mean really not really what it was at all before like we're at this point where it's like okay now it is just us and it's yes. up to us and now that it's up to us, now we're like, well, can y'all get out of here? Because we don't really mm. want you like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's 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 a very, it's a weird thing. Like, it's almost like you you um, I don't know. It's like the jealous boyfriend or something who just like did all this stuff to eliminate like <laughs> like the other dude. And then you're like, now that you have the the attention, you're just like, well, I don't. You know, yeah. I don't really like you like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just bizarre, man. It's bizarre. Yeah. So to answer your first question, I do like the states because in theory, I like the idea that I could go to another state if I don't like something. Although, <laughs> yeah, I understand. But, um, but yeah, so in terms of intervening, I think to a certain extent we need to, it's not, I don't feel like it's not doing that much good because like we had the Iraq war, like we were fighting Al-Qaeda. Now we're allies with Al-Qaeda against ISIS. It's all very, very strange. Um, and then when you, what you said about infrastructure was interesting. It made me think about, um, so the other thing that Trump is big against is NAFTA. Mm -hmm. So we don't want the people to come in, but we don't want to, um, them to have industry so they can sell us goods. So it's kind of like, yeah, what, so it seems like that would make the problems worse because then there'll be less opportunities for jobs in Mexico. Right. So she's. Well, and I think too. I think too. We're coming into a, a day and age where the tragedy of the commons is going to become more and more widespread. And if you never heard what that means, basically, is like as things become le- like things that are open to us, people are going to like water, natural resources, other things. People are going to take them and to take them as as abundantly as possible and become more and more protective over them. And um, or where they're going to take as much as possible, and I think America is sensing that the water hole is becoming less and less, and we need to kind of circle the wagons. We, very, not including myself, need to circle the wagons um, and and kind of protect what is ours as it becomes more and more limited. And I think we all see the writing on the wall that that is there's some truth in there that like resources in this world are is becoming more and more limited the pie is not getting any bigger mm-hmm. um and i think as the as you know as that becomes more and more strained it's going to become more and more violently protected it's crazy it's crazy i mean i guess uh more than anything you know i'm i'm curious about like you know what uh what is something we can do proactively at this point or not proactively it's reactive at this point but like you know where do we go from here you know like outside of just kind of um kind of waxing poetically about like what the problem is or or what's happening or what's occurring um in our in our government from the top down but also in real life you know in real lives around us like i'm you know i'm curious on a personal level like how can i be of greater service you know, um, 
there is, you know, there's just a lot to be said for, um, you know, this not being a time to be on the bench, like whatever that means, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. we, uh, this is impacting real lives. And I think that, you know, we are, uh, a podcast and a site in general that is open to everyone from every walk of life and every faith tradition and every even non-faith tradition, whatever that may be. But, um, I would speak as well, just as, um, as believers in, in the gospel, like I think we also have an added burden when we talk about the idea of what we do for the foreigner and what we do for the stranger, what we do for, um, you know, just in general, like if anything, our, <laughs> the gospel itself is this story of trying to find home in mm-hmm. a way, you know, and it's a really f- kind of precarious position to find ourselves when we have this place where uh, our country is not really reflecting that the, to the best of the bit. And there's ways that we could take hard line stances and say, cause I, I a hundred percent agree with you, um, Dan, that the reality is that the pie is not getting larger, that it is, you know, that is finite and that we are becoming more and more aware of its limitations. But um, that does not absolve us of our duty as believers, you know? And so, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I throw that out there to the the fourth family, the fourth district crew, everyone just like tweet us, let me know what your thoughts are and, and what, what you think we should be doing at this point, you know, because I, I don't think if I'm being honest, if I'm assessing myself, I don't, I know I'm not doing enough right now. So, yeah. So, I mean, there's, what you know there's what call the senators i guess um and there's a lot of no know your local senator but when you think of the faith community response it kind of reminds me did you guys hear of like the nashville statement mm-hmm. um that you know on we're on the helm of harvey and charlottesville and mm. daca and what they come out with it um as a corporate evangelical, evangel- I can't say that word, evangelical statement. It's all good. It's a it's bad to come word anyway. <laughs> with the Nashville statement, which was kind of a, I guess, a statement oh, against yeah. the um, LGBTQ community. Well, just to, I guess, a statement on, I guess, their stance. So it's interesting that the timing, that this is kind of what they come together and yeah. come out with. So, like, yeah. any thoughts on, like, the timing of that with... Oof. Man. I thought about the, talking about this. And then <laughs> I just, Sorry, and then I, you can delete it. This is, this is definitely something we did not discuss <laughs> in pre-production. See, I'm <laughs> new here. I'm way off the record right now. I'm <laughs> new here, guys. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I literally, because I thought about this for a week. Because there's, I, and I've had more discussions about this for a week than than I like. Because the national statement is very interesting. A lot of um men that I respect a whole lot signed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so, bec- and I could not sign it. So mm-hmm. because that left me very much. So if you're not, if you're, if you're we'll kind of give you the full brief. The national statement is uh, a statement by the Protestant evangelical church, you know, by there's a, there's an organization, SB. The, it's in based in Nashville, which is why the Nashville so Southern statement, Baptist Convention, or no? Maybe it's it, so it's John Piper is co-founded. Oh, really? This group that okay. made this statement. That's hmm. this organization is based in Nashville. Thus, this Nashville part of the statement, and basically, it's a statement. It's a six or seven part statement on human sexuality and how the church, the stances of the church on human mm-hmm. sexuality. And just so I'm clear, I heard mostly about the angle from LG, like. 
around the LGBTQ part, but like, right. mm-hmm. is it is it just having to do with human sexuality, or is are there other parts of so it? So the problematic piece of it is that it states that it is a statement and and a treatise on human sexuality yet it allows itself to venture outside of that its own own bumpers okay and makes other broader statements that then that's the one of the biggest criticisms by like people who would normally align themselves with some of these men who signed this treatise that you were like you didn't hold to your own rules here you allowed yourself the freedom to comment on some other things or try to like rationalize some other things that you should have just made your statements and and walked away but essentially the most problematic statement just so we can get to the point and kind of get to the heart of reacting to it is that they basically said the church cannot basically agree to disagree with anybody on on the lgbtq Mm. issue and that you are created as you are created and you like and that is for a purpose and Mm. you cannot affirm gay marriage you cannot affirm um uh the transgender issue um that there's no there's no medical rationale for a transgender person um and that even if you hold that belief yet you choose to say i I, this is a gray area I don't understand fully. Mm-hmm. They kind of drew a line in the sand, like, no, you cannot affirm this. Interesting. By, by saying you agree to disagree, you are essentially affirming it, and you can you cannot do that and be a part of the our big C church. Got you. Hmm. So they're they're very like okay. There, this is a black and white issue. We are making it a black and white and, issue. And uh, yeah, that's a better way. We are making this a black and white issue. And you need to fall on either side of the interesting. And it was, yeah, I, I have I, lots of thoughts, but yeah, I won't do it. No, I didn't. Dan, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Part real quick, Dan, you said there are people that you respect that signed it, but you can't uh, sign it. You can't come into agreement with it. Is that because uh, they go out of the bounds of sort of the own game rules that they've set? Yeah. So I would say. I would not sign it because I think the church has a lot to deal with internally um, when it comes to, like, I want to, so to to quote scripture, <laughs> I would deal with the plank in my own eye mm-hmm. um, and and be careful to kind of make general statements that apply to a very, very small minority of my own people. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, not to say that that minority is not welcome in my in my eyes, but like I think the divorce rate amongst the church is a far greater issue that we as a big C church need to deal with and be honest with ourselves about um, sexual addiction in the church um, in a heterosexual manner as w- especially like mm-hmm. so the um, there's a there's a lot of issues that I think we as a big C church need to deal with. Um, and you know, this treatise doesn't call them out as, as, as equally uh, problematic, mm-hmm. if not more so because of the amount of people involved in that. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's primarily why I couldn't sign it as well as I think that it does make black and white. What is not necessarily what I would want to be gray, but there's just not the level of love and compassion and choosing to understand the the person sitting across the table that you're making statements of, mm. um, that you know, my life in the last five years has proven that that doesn't generally work. Mm. Um, yeah. 
So let me let me let me say something real quick. It's fascinating, and I had not heard about this, so I'm over here googling. And but at, at the same time, this week, uh, a friend of mine, and I'm going to try to code uh, her or his gender and identity. Uh, a friend of mine reached out to me after years of knowing this person, and. I was just on staff at a church. I've been pastoring for the past three years before we moved to Hawaii. So that's sort of some of the context. Uh, So a friend of mine within that context reached out to me and shared that they have been uh, dealing with same-sex attraction. This person is a Christian, and they link it directly to um, being molested as a child known this person for probably five years been in conversation with this person for that length of time and again the sort of connection that i'm seeing here is that a nashville statement a policy a structure a piece of legislation uh church politics whatever they have uh, a, a seeming inability to allow the human to exist mm-hmm. uh where are the stories of the humanity, uh, sexuality, sexual identity is an incredibly um, complex and complicated aspect of all of our lives. Uh, and where is that in these sort of absolute statements? The fact that people are not black and white, mm-hmm. um, whether your statement is or is not. Yeah, and I will say to, and I, I want to get y'all's thoughts real quick, but to be fair to the statement itself, it is very gracious and generous to the state in the sense of saying like no one no one is perfect and everyone that grace is for everyone Mm -hmm. let's be and and basically tries to say like the the last point of the statement is we are all under the gracious love of of jesus Mm -hmm. and we are all seeking to find that and if you are not and 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 we're all fine and and this is the best way for us to find it is in his, in in the like pleasing will of the Lord, mm-hmm. so that's kind of the last point. There, you know, there there's three or four points in there that like are kind of you can guess what they are. There's three or four points that kind of pushed everyone like further than that they are willing to go, and then that that was kind of the last point to bring it home. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah Corn, I you kind of brought it up, so yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, so You're a science lady, I'm tell us science about lady. the science. No, I, no, science. <laughs> I just felt like it was. Um, I just, I really didn't like the timing of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's why I brought it up, not to go into detail. So sorry about <laughs> No, you're fine. You're going completely into, fine. Um, but yeah. Um, you are regular I just around didn't here. Like, that's how we do things. Yeah, I didn't, um, the timing of it, like I would have wanted to have everyone to come together and have something about DACA, you know, yeah, about the, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it was like, hmm. this is what you come out with or a strong statement on white supremacy, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. you come together. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like at this time we're coming together to hmm. do this that's that was my yeah. issue with it and then also um i went on the website and i noticed that they're raising they're like you can donate to it and i'm like in the wake of harvey i thought that also was insensitive uh, because gotcha. there's you gotta, families that you could be contributing to and i'm going to send you a thousand dollars for your website <laughs> like <laughs> but i do wonder if it's that same pandering i mean yeah we could deal with these big issues but let me go after my base with this one that's kind of irrelevant mm. really poorly timed and very controversial but that'll get my donations my likes my clicks my retweets up Wait, and i don't mind putting these people on blast because they signed it so um but the names on this list are inc- i mean i mean it's it's john piper it's matt chandler it's francis chan yeah. i mean it is 
it is the new evangelical what most people would look at as liberal to some extent right. um socially liberal on lots of issues um drawing a line in the sand but corn your point is great i 100 percent agree with it it just the timing of it seems so terrible yeah it's it's uh Man, there's that old, I think it was a dude who used to write for Relevant, wrote that book like Jesus Needs a New PR guy or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name, but yeah. But it is one of those things where it's like, y'all just didn't discuss this. Like, because there was also the part, and I, I, I'm I, assuming this isn't the exact same group because, I don't know, because Matt Chandler and the, them are remaining. But like, you had that whole when you mentioned SBC, it made me yeah. think of this like that. I they had all of those issues around denouncing white supremacy, like uh, like and they couldn't do it. it. There's like, some the, overlap. It's a Venn diagram. Right, 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 right. There's some Venn diagram <laughs> yeah. connecting yeah. some of the people involved yeah. in both of the you know in both of these statements and both of these issues. But like they had such an issue. You know, you know, renouncing, uh, denouncing white supremacy, the historical facts of the uh, of the denominations uh, history and, you know, embed embeddedness with uh, white supremacy in the formation of this country, as well as like throughout history. And like it was like in some of the black members of that denomination, leaders, ministry, it was like, hey can we also add this? And they were like, well, no, <laughs> but like, you know what I'm saying? Like they were like mealy mouthed throughout about that. But like when it comes to this issue, like, no, we can, we can speak pretty confidently about this. Yeah. And we can do it during a disaster that's occurring in the, you know, I'm like, it's just, it's, it's just terrible, terrible um, messaging in a way, but even getting beyond the idea of the optics, getting beyond the idea of the messaging. Like I just, I'll say this, like as someone who kind of exists and does a lot of art in very liberal environments, um, you know, like I, you know, it was one of those things, like, I don't know how many years ago, four or five years ago when someone introduced themselves and then said, my preferred pronoun is, and I was like, what are you talking about? Like, that's bizarre to me. I have no idea. But like, it took all this learning for me to understand, like people are reclaiming how they wish to be identified and like who they are and like. And getting to this idea of like, yeah, I was I was humanities major. So I just I the idea of understanding like what gender is and what sex is and and how these things are connected and aren't connected and the way in which people uh, grow up to, you know, and socialize in a way versus how they kind of um, uh, genetically might be presented on Earth. You know what I mean? It just. All of these other parts of it and getting beyond any of that, what I was initially speaking to was the idea of being in these environments, meeting these people, and then just like, to your point, Sean, getting to know these people beyond like whatever, you know, they wish to be called or wish, you know, how they identify It's like, yo, like this is an actual, like there's someone I know named Lindsay who is it is is trans and is in the process of transitioning and doesn't have the Caitlyn Jenner money to do this quickly and you know from a position of privilege of a white male moving to a white like this person you know like and knowing what that heartache is and hearing about you know not even just with uh, her but just hearing about like suicide attempts and ways in which that they have 
been rejected by family, by friends, by and had to seek out community, which connects to this other idea of DACA, like the way in which these people ultimately are trying to find home, find, trying to find people in a place that says you're welcome here and for the church to take an opportunity to say, no, not us. This is not like grace is available to you, but like there's no way you're just a part of the yeah the just door. know before you get this part it's just man it's so so heartbreaking you know what i mean and i think the the biggest thing is that um and i think the you know the strongest criticism is is that it just seems so not jesus um and and not that jesus didn't take stands on things right because i think right. it's disingenuous and i think it can be um misused to say jesus was this like very like loving and never drew lines in the absolutely sand. he yeah, actually yeah. generally drew very hard lines in the sand but mostly with the hyper-religious people yeah. um but with that being said is he didn't take stands but he believed in his shit enough to not have to oversell it and I think that that is a problem Fair. in Christianity yeah. today that we actually don't believe the shit that we're selling, mm. that we actually don't believe that people living certain types of lives, whatever that life may be, what if it runs counter to what, you know, traditional Christianity, Christendom would hold up as good and proper and right. And if, if it runs counter to that, my belief is we should believe that that actually doesn't work out. Mm. That like that that actually isn't what is what is best and that we can genuinely engage those people and ask them like how is that how are you doing and i think we can genuinely assume like not that we'd want bad for people but that we can come alongside them and and like help them say like i think there might be a better option i could could be wrong and i think that's the other piece that always drives me nuts about christianity is that we ask the whole world to suspend this suspend their belief in what they believe to come over to our side and and try out what we believe to be true yet we never suspend our own belief for a split second and I, and I think that if you can't sit across from the table and suspend your belief yet you ask someone else to like you're having you're having a one-way conversation yeah and i think we as as christians need to have conversations with people where where sure if you go home at night and put your, like you believe what you believe i do too but on some level you have to sit across on the table and for one moment believe that they could actually be more right than you yeah if you actually expect them to do the same for you yeah um, well and and dan i think you made a fascinating point that i just want to sort of piggyback jesus does draw hard and fast lines but it seems the line that he draws about identity is that men and women are made in the image of god valued at the price of his life and so if that is the ultimate reality that you regardless of the flavor of the week that you're into whether it has to do with uh, your sexuality your economics your theology whatever statement you want to make whatever people you want to sort of uh, go into cahoots with you're still made in god's image you bear his image and you are valued at the price of my life is what jesus says and so if that is the assumption that i carry into all of my human relationships that you're made in God's image and you're valued at the price of Christ, well, that's going to change my whole mm -hmm. perception, my outlook, the rhetoric, the statements that I want to make, even uh, do I care about making a statement? But I just don't think that's the lens that most evangelical Christians carry into interpersonal relationships. Yep, absolutely. Man, so true. Um, 
all of this just is crazy uh in terms of like the scope of it and um and i think that it 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 requires a lot of us doing a a, a good amount of soul searching mm. in terms of you know um and i know i've had to do this for honestly man for like the last 5 years i feel like i've just been on this like what really is this for me like where does this stand for me and it and it's required mm-hmm. a lot of um cutting away things that i thought were essential and realizing that they're actually not essential uh yeah. and um but you know but finding some beauty in that and um and i think that kind of we all find our ourselves in this place and that's essentially what fourth district was created for it was for all of us kind of weird sojourners as we <laughs> try to figure out like what this thing means to us um in life and art and culture and discipline and whatever that may be and um and so man just to you know just to keep things moving along with that idea of you know i think daca was one of the more recent things that occurred um and then of course that nashville statement happened but what you were t- essentially talking about corin was true is that this nashville statement also occurred uh during one of <laughs> the most breathtaking uh awe-inspiring and i mean that in a true sense of the word awe-inspiring context of uh man uh, of of natural disasters to you know to hit the domestic united states which was um the hurricane harvey which touched down on texas i believe le- <sighs> When did we record last, Dan? Was that two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Um, so was that bef- right before mm-hmm. it hit? Was it? Mm-hmm. I think we were. I think we were pairing. Like we knew it was coming, but we didn't. You know, really it, talk about it that much. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't have an opportunity to discuss it, but it definitely, it definitely hit, hit, uh, hit Texas. Uh, I think it hit Texas as a Category Four hurricane. Um, it essentially downgraded to a category two while it was there. But there was, I mean, I, I don't have the, the stats in front of me, but there was an, an insane amount of just water that hit water, wind, everything that occurred and hit, um, hit Houston. And there's a lot of things that have talked about, like the idea of just how I just got back from, I was in Houston last, not last uh yeah, I guess ago. yeah, barely a month ago, I was Ooh. in Houston and um, and that was like my first time being in Houston in a long time, uh, and I didn't realize how like one spread out Houston is like no, I, there's no there's no reason for a city to be that like I'm sorry <laughs> like I was you're like you're like so many miles away from downtown and they're like yeah this is still houston I'm like what what are you guys doing like <laughs> who did the urban planning for this this is bizarre but regardless just some amazing people um definitely connected with alex faith while i was out there um and some other great people but um but so much when you look at the devastation when you look at just what occurred so much of it just um submerged in like so like just so much water that I can't remember the the trillion tons amount of water that it, that that hit um but it's it's just a remarkable devastation so much so uh that they were talking about how badly it dwarfed Katrina and we know mm. what happened with mm. Katrina right um but like they just talk about it it's not even close in terms of comparison to Katrina they said once in every like a one in every 500 years this level of hurricane hits mm. uh and then 
lo and behold, we're on the eve of yet another one in 500 year hurricane hitting with uh, Irma, I believe. And uh, that is on its way to uh, it's on its way to Florida, but it has already touched down in the Caribbean. And I mean, it's <laughs> aside from there's so many angles that we can talk about this. You know, I just I want to start, I think, with, you know, we were having this this conversation around like, um, you know, w- with we were having this conversation around these remarkable overwhelming like just unbelievable hurricane i mean i think irma is they said it's uh larger than florida at this point like the size of it i don't understand like when they first said they were like yo it's actually larger than ohio i was like that's crazy i'm from ohio Mm. then they were like no it's grown it's larger than florida and there are satellite Mm. pictures showing you where you can see just how humongous and wide spanning this is they've talked they've talked about a lot of the the land that it has touched down on already and of course all of the coverage is preparing around this idea of like when it hits florida what's going to happen there's mass evacuations that are occurring right now um so even by the time that this is released as well as when you all hear it we'll probably have some more information about what actually has occurred but Mm -hmm. um but even as we're discussing about what's going to happen to Florida, you know, it'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that like, yo, like America also has like we also own Puerto Rico, like we also own the U.S., you know, Virgin Islands. Like these are also parts of our country as well, too, even though we don't talk about them or think about them in this way as well, too. And so I don't know, you guys, like when we talk about we can take it anywhere. But when we think about Harvey, um, what were you guys' thoughts when you just saw like the impact? Like I don't know, looking at the news or weather channel, Dan. What what were you thinking when you saw it? Anything? Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to fathom that much devastation and that much, um, just complete destruction of what people know. And the hard, I think, the hard part about Houston for me, or like maybe the part that makes it hard to grapple with, is no one has flood insurance in Houston. Like that does not exist. Like, doesn't exist. Like, no one owns flood insurance, uh, and they live in a hot, dry place. Yeah. And so. Well, I think the other part of it about it is that like flood insurance, and I can't. I meant to study up on this because I started to look into it a little bit. But flood insurance is also one of those weird payout things where like you can pay for it, but the payout that you receive for flood insurance, it's like one of the most. Uh, inequitable one yeah like like more than any other one that is out there like they and a lot of um a lot of insurers will talk about that like i mean that's why it's not often incentivized for people to buy it because it's like it doesn't really match up and a lot of times when you you know when you pay for the flood insurance then they can also say well you know it was the wind that did this it wasn't the like it's just some very weird Hmm machinations anyway, that so can that happen like one thing but continue, that I, yeah. I just thought of like these people are they're out of pocket mm. everything like their entire world is gone and they're told that they have to rebuild it um mm. which i can only fathom like if my house like my house is like how how yeah and so i think just thinking through that thinking through that there there's the pictures of families and boats and walking through you know eight feet of water on a road like i mean Mm. and swimming i mean it's just it's it's insanity and i think too like 
talk, like we spent a lot of this episode talking about doom and gloom. I think the other thing that struck me about um, Houston and the surrounding areas is just how much hope there is in humanity um, and the, the positive stories that you saw come out, whether they be kind of the, the like heartstrings of like people rescuing people and going the extra mile, the Chick-fil-A story of like the dude ordering Chick-fil-A and a boat and Chick-fil-A sent a boat <laughs> right. to, to get this family. Right. Like, or the, like the hilarious stories of dudes just like ripping down, like water skiing down the road, like, mm-hmm. like the highway because they can like, and not, and, 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 you know, leaning into the moment and, and trying to make the best of the moment. And I know that mm. there's, there's with, even with heavy hearts that they're having fun, but I think just having those moments of like, we are capable of, of really great things as humans. If we are allow ourselves, um, that space. There's a rapper used to be in Cincinnati, went out to Portland, was on Humble Beast. Theory has it. He has a line. Uh, he said, I love natural disasters in the dumbest weather because when it's over, we all come together. Mm -hmm. And it is fascinating that there is a unifying can be a unifying response once catastrophe hits because the false uh, fabricated bullshit lines in the sand that all of the kingdoms of this world are uh, dependent upon are erased when things like that happen, Uh, which is, you know, I mean, I, I can't even fathom comprehend really comment on it uh but from arm's length that is at least one beautiful thing that that is an ultimate reality that people are not who they are uh you know in in all of their classifications but that we're human beings and we're far more similar than we are dissimilar absolutely it's uh yeah shout out shouts out to theory has it we definitely um interviewed him here is there a rooster there's a rooster i know that's like it's crazy i thought you really are out here bro you really are living now in the freaking ocean um yeah um i don't know like corin like we we were talking about this little pre-production wise like the idea of two like like people talked about like yo hurricane harvey is unprecedented and all meteorologists are like yeah so irma is unprecedented times two like it's it's what you thought before but then like double that how are we supposed to think about this like this is insane like to think about the idea and yeah i i'm thinking of other things that are occurring around the world we've not really talked about the fact that sierra leone has dealt with just was it mudslides or some and the just insane amounts of deaths, t- casualties that have, casualties that have occurred there, but just, I mean, is he the next guest on <laughs> off the record? That rooster has a lot to say, uh, but I feel you. Uh, but no, like Corin, like what what were you thinking when you saw all of this? Like, um, so I guess I'll go get to the science part of it later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean just seeing the devastation it was scary and you're just kind of watching the news i guess i'm an emotional person so just like crying a lot Mm -hmm. um saw the story about the woman who lost four children i mean you're not supposed to bury your children i mean um and then uh a guy i think read a story he was actually um on daca he had traveled to to houston to help save people in boats and he he passed away so it's just kind of like watching the stuff and just like just crying and mourning and grieving um but to kind of think about all this stuff is happening that's very unprecedented you kind of have to think about 
um, that there may be something to um, kind of the issues of, you know, are we doing things that are maybe affecting our yeah, weather patterns and things like that. So, um, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of, I guess, um, I think more anti-science sentiment now, I guess. <laughs> mm. yeah. um, but um, I think it's something that we have to think about, not to say that everything that humans do, because obviously I believe that God is in control and all yeah. that type of stuff, but we obviously do have, you know, effects on the environment. I mean, if you just take it to the basic level, if you cut down all the trees, it will be hotter, right? I mean, mm, that's mm. sort of um, sort of an obvious thing. Won't that um, just be God hugging us closer, the sun just <laughs> hugging us closer? I can't remember what that was, but yes. But no, yeah, I, I, um, no, I, like, I hear you, but so what do you say to people who, because you, um, yeah, like, th- there's, there's no way getting around it. Like, um, currently, we have a lot of we have a lot of like, you know, I'm not asking you to channel your your inner Neil deGrasse Tyson, but we have a lot of people who. From the administration on down who are kind of like look at science and they're just like, look, like they're like, yo, it's politically motivated. It's not like like that's they take scientific findings as kind of partisan and say that it's opinionated, like it's an opinion on some level. And like, this is driven with an agenda and, and, or that, or they like to, you know, uh, almost like an inversion of the natural statement in which they love to pull out the gray area when it comes to science and talk about how like, look, this isn't black and white. Like it isn't proven that, there is a man-made climate change. Like the, if anything, the jury's still out. We don't know what's happening. And there has been a lot of discussions just in general that like scientists in general don't like to oversell things. Like right, they, yeah. they're very much like, Hey, I don't, you know, science live by the idea that they would rather undersell something from the perspective oh, yeah, of, yeah. you know, like I'm not going to make some bold proclamation. Yeah. Because I want, you know, I'm going to rely on data. I'm going to rely on whatever. But like, what do you do in this climate or what do you say to the people? And some of them might even be listening now uh, who are just like, hey, like, it's not really conclusive what what we're talking about here. We don't really know what has been, Mm -hmm. you know, that what we're seeing now is an effect of this. Um, I would like to hear statements from actual scientists. So I think what's (laughs) making it political is politicians talking into it like i don't Mm. understand um so we have the strange thing where like certain science organizations used to be science organizations like one that i'm familiar with because i do um my phd research was in renewable energy so Mm. i'm more familiar in that space um did do some kind of weather forecasting and stuff so i do know that you know now that it's real i mean there may be, I don't know, I haven't read those papers, there may be people exaggerating things, but I did not in my right. papers. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so, right. but I think You wouldn't have got on the Forbes list if you did, yeah. I agree. <laughs> so, it's, it's just this weird thing where I would say that 
it's politicians inserting themselves into the scientists, not scientists. Mm, I'm not mm. a politician, you know, we yeah. just um, do our work. And so what's interesting is I think now in an unprecedented way, we have politicians inserting themselves, for instance, an independent science organization, the Department of Energy, it's usually, hey, what famous professor or famous scientist is going to lead this year? <laughs> right. No, like we have, you know, it's usually a PhD published all these types so of things. So I'm, I'm sure that's what we got this time. No, we got Rick Perry. <laughs> Rick, and okay. Yes, because I guess he's trying to save money, but he's actually, I think he's cost us money in delays um, um, because you have sort of, you know, scientists put the proposals and then Department of Energy and they have these schedules and stuff. But wow. I guess he's trying to like personally review things. But based on what? Like, you, <laughs> what are your qualifications to review things? So I would say... <laughs> that it's becoming, um, I don't say the scientists are political, it's politicians, mm. so speaking into the science. Wow. And what are your qualifications to do that? I mean, yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm not trying to do your job, although I'm pretty sure that I could, right? <laughs> you just stay um, there forever, like, <laughs> vote argue be True. contrary and i bet i could that's, that's pretty much like it. my two-year-old nephew he, <laughs> he says no 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 like he's gonna be the perfect politician, right, perfect he's politician. Qualified, so I, yeah i think uh i think rick perry's qualifications is that he reemerged with glasses because <laughs> yes. he he did not have glasses in his initial run and in, in his initial time but like he came back with like clark kent glasses and it was like now I'm that smart. i will give him credit for it because whenever i'm doing a presentation or yeah. when I was doing like thesis presentation yeah. I did wear glasses, you wore glasses. <laughs> so that that is the only positive thing Rick Perry kudos <laughs> see we can switch jobs let me so I I would just say like do your research actually uh, I mean mm -hmm. have some qualifications behind your name I mean I'm not sitting there doing black magic making things up like right, right, right. you know i worked hard worked hard to get my degree and to um present data that i'm proud of so um yeah, yeah step away man rick <laughs> step and, off rick yeah except for rick if you want to fund anything for me <laughs> we uh, are accepting grants i gave him kudos for the glasses so that yeah, should right uh, that I, should thank you for that so that kind of smooths it over <laughs> no yes. it's um man it's crazy i mean uh yes yeah, uh sean so you were you were you were already in hawaii once this happened correct once Harvey happened, I'm speaking about in, in particular. So you were there already. Um, but like, I'm imagining you, if you got to see at least what was happening, man, what was going on with everything. Yeah. What was, um, what were kind of your initial thoughts around that? And, and then That's to take it, saying, take it as well further, as well as just talking about in general, the response is all. So, man, I just think, you know, like Katrina is still fresh in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just found it fascinating that Harvey touched land on the 12 year anniversary of mm. Katrina. Like mm -hmm. what in the world? Maybe that's uh, just happenstance and that doesn't exist. Rhythm. Mm -hmm. that, so that's bonkers to me. But again, like I was saying earlier, Don is just like devastation uh, to that degree. I just, it's, I'm speechless. I don't yeah. know what to say. Yeah. I don't know what to think. I don't know how to feel it all. It just feels completely beyond me you know what i'm saying yeah 
Well, so what's my response? I mean, I don't trust uh, giving money to the Red Cross. You got all these sort of nonprofit health <laughs> organizations <laughs> taking sixty percent off off top. At least. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I do think it's interesting talking about kind of the environment in general. Sean, talk of why you are in Hawaii, because I think that story kind of lends itself to the environmental crisis that we're in today. Yeah, I mean, it's again, this could be a long story made short, but I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. I grew up in a single mother household, sort of urban ish context. Um, Just didn't know a lot outside of that very small, I think, context or realm. Um, and as I've grown and developed, met my wife. My wife was raised a vegetarian, and I've been a vegetarian for 10 years now. We're vegan now. Uh, we found ourselves in her hometown, southwest Indiana, Evansville, uh, and our air and water is so toxic down there. If you look up, uh, if you go to sacrificezone.com, Uh, you'll see a profile the Weather Channel did on the town that we were in, Evansville, Indiana, and they refer to it as the sacrifice zone because there are so many super polluters uh, in the area surrounding Evansville that, like they say, environmentally, it's just a wrap. So the air that we were breathing was toxic. The water that we were drinking was toxic. Uh, My allergies just got terrible down there. Never had them before anyway. So my daughter was born 11 months ago, and it was just like, from the very basics of the water that we drink and the air that we breathe, we have got to GTFOH. Mm-hmm. We have got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started scouting other areas where we could just environmentally be in a place uh, that lended itself to something healthier, cleaner, fresher. Uh, and, you know, we started looking at California. California's air is toxic. Pretty much any uh, urban context in the mainland has at least one super polluter near it. Uh, So there's a whole lot that is unfamiliar and foreign and hard about Hawaii, but I know that I can breathe air that's clean and fresh and sort of the uh, biological byproducts of living in a toxic environment have been minimized. Now, will we stay here forever? I'm not sure. Uh, will, Will we be able to make a go of it? Will we want to stay here? I'm not sure. But sort of in the season that we're in, having this child that we're responsible for, it felt like a good move to make. Wow. My it's crazy out here, in, bro. Uh, These corporations, man, I'm telling you, it is a trip. So I was going to say my brother lives in Evansville, so I can vouch for the fact that it's like the oh, worst. Word? And it's ratchet. Like he just, I describe it as like, because it's like half Kentucky, half yeah. Indiana. And it's like you've got, but it's like a sort of harmonious in the fact that you've got like sort of like the meth house and then the crack house coming together so it's like a harmonious like <laughs> it's just like these yeah. have been the destroyers the of the place <laughs> yeah. and they're coming the together in the middle that's crazy yeah. mm-hmm. but no it's a yeah I've, I've, I've definitely been to uh i went to evansville for a like one of my great college friends he's his wife was from evansville and uh. we got married um actually he's from beaumont which is this weird strange connection around like where Harvey hit with Port Arthur, Houston, Beaumont. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. But anyway, went to Evansville. That was my only time in Evansville. I, more than anything, I remember going to their library. Uh, cause, yeah. uh, that's all I got. But, um, we but got yeah. like a top 10 library out there, man. It's yo, dope. yo, but I, the, I remember but the, that. The point is though, that whether it's Evansville's environment, the environment in Hawaii, you look mm-hmm. at these natural disasters, politicized issues like climate change corporations are undeniably affecting Mm. the world that we live in um 
And for me, you know, my wife got me hip to a lot of game uh, over these past few years. But then it's it's the empathy piece again. Like when I had to look my daughter in the eyes, uh, she had a cold like weeks after being born. And I was just like, bro, I'm out. I'm ghost. I'm gone because corporations, you know, I'm, I'm I get on a whole sort of thing, man. But short term profits, long term disaster. And the, what that equals is not a good look for my daughter yeah. uh, as she inherits this world. Yeah. And I want to say as well, like, um, well, even to you, Dan, like you, you kind of mentioned this with your, um, I think it was your scratch of the week, uh, a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. you had, uh, you had read a book that really kind of shook you to the core. Um, can you just refresh people's minds about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I read Yvonne Chouinard's book, let my people go surfing. So he is the man who founded, uh, Patagonia, um, and Patagonia kind of um has led the way uh in as far as a a business giving back to the environment protecting the environment reclaiming areas that have been dammed up and uh, like undamming like certain rivers and putting i think they put um an exorbitant amount of their resources they donate at the end of every year um back into environmental causes or whatever so um the whole book is on his like philosophy on business marketing you know everything from how to hire people um because he kind of talks about himself as like the reluctant businessman but now he runs like one of the most successful outdoor um businesses uh, in the world um I think I loved every chapter of the book. I ripped through it until the last one. And I tried three different times to try to read this last chapter. And it's all about environmental responsibility and basically what we can do and what's already been done. And it it was not to say that like uh, his point of view is that it's all too far gone, but he kind of like is like basically it's all gone, but that doesn't like kind of relieve us of our responsibility to try and do something now, uh, as individuals. And he just makes some incredible points that, um, I, cause I never made it all the way through because it, it is so depressing thinking about the state of the environment. The fact that global warming is call it what you want to environmental change based upon human impact on the United or on the earth whatever moniker you want to put on it is a thing and is causing these things. Now I do think that as Christians, like we have the luxury of not being surprised um, because we can kind of look and say like, you know, this is, this is talked about. Um, But at the same time, I do don't, I do think that it doesn't relieve our responsibility to say like, what do we do and and how do we reduce our footprints and, and become better stewards of the environment and not believe that just the government or Tesla is going to come along and save us from ourselves, Mm. um, that we have to do something. We have the, I mean, the, the way in which we like um, the materialism that drives us, the corporate, the corporate America and incorpor- and corporations. Um, and I don't want to make them out to be evil, but I, cause I, I am a capitalist, but I also believe that, you know, kind of Sean, Wade, the point you made that short term kind of profits for long term demise, mm-hmm. um, is something that I think is very prevalent, prevalent. Um, but anyway, I, I just think that it's so funny to me, like, 
um, you know, someone close to me who has um, uh, a place uh, in Hilton Head um, where they were talking about uh, their house and potentially it flooding again mm-hmm. for the second time in a year because Hilton Head, they flooded um, this this time last year, basically. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, they would have actually be someone that would deny, you know, global warming to some extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were like, you know, we're just praying that the hurricane just goes away. It's in God's hands. I was like, that's true. But what also is true <laughs> is that these hurricanes are a product of environmental, like, causes that we have a part in Mm -hmm. and you know i think a lot of people it's i i don't want to make light of houston but houston is the center of oil production in in the world like if there is a group of people that needs to wake up to the byproducts of what we're doing Mm -hmm. it is houston Mm -hmm. uh at least in america mm -hmm. go ahead sean it's just fascinating the storm is in god's hands but the reason the storm exists is in all of our hands yeah Yeah. Uh, yes our consumption our greed, our lust for having, having more, having cheap goods. So I'll put that onto the backs of brown people all across the world. We'll import it here, Amazon, in two days to my door and be done with it next week. Mm-hmm. And to think that we can live in such a small place as is the earth uh, and our choices don't have serious ramifications is just nonsense. But I get it, man. Like everything comes at us a thousand miles every single day. We don't ever think about the things that we do. Um, so slowing down and being conscious and being intentional is again anti-American. But yeah. then Harvey happens, Irma happens, Katrina happened. Did it wake any of us up? Do we change our behaviors? I mean, yeah. yeah. And, and, and 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 I'll just say another unspoken fact is like FEMA is running out of money, and they, mm-hmm. and it's stated that at like this rate. There'll actually be none left by the time Hurricane Irma strikes yeah. unless Golly. more funds are approved. Like you guys, like there's like it's like from every angle. Like there's like we've got, you know, we've got malfunction occurring on, you know, the highest level of government. And then like and and it's easy to point the finger there and be like, what the hell are y'all doing? And then it's like, right. yeah, but then like, what are we doing in our day-to-day lives? What are we doing? What are our behaviors saying as well? Like mm-hmm. to that end, like, you know, I'm, I'm super mindful of the fact that like Atlanta, similar to Houston is a very driving city. Like it's a very, like you get in a car and you go where you want to go. Like it's not, this is not some, you know, <laughs> this is not san francisco some bikeable you know rickshaw (laughs) scenario you know what i'm saying so it's just it's crazy um i also wanted to pivot you know before we close this part is just like um would be remiss if i didn't also you know we when we were talking about uh daca we ended we pivoted to discuss the nashville statement which dealt with evangelicals i would be remiss if i didn't also talk about the evangelical be a behemoth that is um that is uh lake wood joel osteen uh and uh what was his response slash non-response slash we don't really know what to call it um having to do around like the reaction to the devastation that had happened in harvey so i will say this 
Um, what ended up occurring, and th- we d- this doesn't have to take a long time because I feel like this was a drum that was beaten very loudly, um, mm. and we can talk about how necessary it was to beat it this loudly. But the, basically, um, the church was he his church is housed in the former Houston Rockets arena mm-hmm. coliseum i don't mm. know what to call it but that is where it is or whatever um 60 i mean it, it, sixty thousand people it's it's yeah it's it's a huge six six zero yeah i mean it's 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 it, 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 30 40 thousand yeah hundred wow. i mean tens of thousands of people <laughs> yeah it's a it's a it's a very very large facility um and when it came time for uh you know when hurricane harvey was hitting um basically people started to ask questions like hey when is like why isn't this open for shelter because there were a lot of other places much smaller who were also um open to take in people and people who had lost their homes or were flooded out of their homes or had to wherever um, what had kind of the what it kind of came out is saying that uh, that the uh, church was flooded. That's what was said by um, representatives from the church or whatever. Um, then, like you know, people didn't believe. Some people didn't believe them. Some people, you know, took footage and started to look at things and started to say, "Oh, well, it doesn't look flooded." Blah, blah, you know, it doesn't look looks like you're not doing whatever. And then eventually kind of this pressure mounted in a way online that carried over even further to where news like actual cable news was covering it um and then you saw uh joel pastor joel osteen kind of get out in front and say hey like it will be it's opening tuesday you know we will be taking people in and they did take people in and they had a lot of uh donations and you know resources available for people but there was a there was a lag time and a delay that left a sour taste in a lot of people's minds and a lot of people's you know whatever their perspective around that and i would just say that it was it was kind of interesting um because i'll say the other optic part of it that was bad is that like i don't know if there's if it's a program bot or if it's actually someone who put these things but like he was like there were like tweets that were coming out during the hurricane that were just very uh joe osteenish what's that joe osteenish yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 that's probably the best way to say it. i was gonna say sanguine He's but got yeah the whole world yeah <laughs> yeah it was just very like hey guys you know your best life now like whatever you know it was just one of those things and you don't believe that you can have it. <laughs> you can. I mean, you know, I let me st- let me state off front. Like I am someone who, you know, I think is I think the theology is largely trash, like my personal perspective on a lot of it. But and, and I say this being fully aware, like my mom loves to turn on Joel Osteen and be like, that was really inspiring. I like appreciate that. And I'm like, word up, mom. mom. All right, mom. Okay. You know, how am I going to get, are you my mom? Like, that's what it is. But, um, but I just think, I don't know. I just want to throw it out there. I think I'll, I'll say this and then you guys can let me know what your thoughts are. But my initial thoughts were a couple things. One is that the first thing is that people, 
there's to me this underscores the fact that like as a um as a minister of the gospel as a as a pastor like there's just no way of getting around the fact that you're held to a higher standard like not even just among christians honestly the world looks at you and is looking to you for more than whatever so that's that's one part that i'll throw there the other part i'll say is that i do find it interesting that like the church is that like one of the largest knocks against mega churches is that they function like businesses and corporations and then i'm like well then why are you surprised that a business or corporation takes business corporation concerns when it comes to a tragedy like if someone were to slip and fall or an assault or something happened within like I would not be surprised if there was a level there's a huge board of lawyers and everything that had to be discussed about like what we can do before we take somebody in and like what type of what does our insurance cover and what like I just think that's a logical thing to think about if you're thinking along the lines of a business now we can argue about the fact whether or not we think a church should be thinking like a business but I just think it's a very interesting disconnect around like that being an accusation, but then also not being figured in to the equation when you are assessing what they do. And then I'll say finally is that even with the criticisms of Joel Osteen and whatever, you know, his reaction and his response, I just think it's like a weird thing to put him on the hook for this when it's like, I can think of a grip of Houston pastors and churches and Christians and people who were doing an immense amount of work like it just seems very weird to focus on him when I know people who were in boats and were doing a lot of things to actually help people so um it it you know in a weird way I do feel like Joel Osteen was criticized um as proxy to criticize the church in general in the Mm -hmm. United States and and whatever and and as much as I think his theology oftentimes is trash, like it's still like I'm not blind to the fact that like, yo, you're, you're doing this as a proxy to attack something larger. That is something I hold dear in a way. And so I'll stop there. And I don't know, Corin, what you got? What do you think? Well, I mean, I was slightly unfazed because I don't have expectations of Joel Osteen. Facts. So, except for that, I guess he doesn't pay taxes. But that's a different <laughs> issue. I don't think any church should be tax exempt. I don't care. Mm. Tax at church, whatever. <laughs> so then we, I can continue to have no expectations. What this I thought is was politician <laughs> Corin coming through with like, I you know it. what? We're about to get rid of these five ones, <laughs> three steps. Well, what I thought was interesting was the discourse that I was just like, eh, whatever. But people are super passionate about it on both sides. Mm-hmm. Like literally people left Facebook. I'm like, based on what they saw for against him. (laughs) But the thing is, I don't think they were reacting to the situation. They're reacting to like, I am a hundred percent Joel Osteen stand Mm. or I can't stand him. And I don't like his theology about, you know, rainbows and sunshine or whatever. (laughs) So I just thought it was funny that people were so into him one way or the other. And I'm just like, it's not my thing, the whole prosperity and the smiles and the, cause it just seems very incomplete when you get into, you know, trials and just, it's, it's, yeah, I just find it incomplete, but there are people that are probably going, might listen to this and may unfriend me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm but either prepared. way, I'm just kind of like, it's like 
a strong discourse, but I don't think they were interacting about the facts. They were interacting about their opinions of just him in general. Yeah. So, so they came into it with like how I feel about him one yeah. way or the other. Right. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because yeah. I listen to True. him every day yeah, yeah, and yeah. send him, you know, this for my prayer cloth or whatever <laughs> versus the other side of, you know, he's a heretic, etc. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I guess. But because I kind of think of him as, I don't know, it might be like the white Creflo dollar. So mm. imagine if, but mm. no, I don't know if would anyone expect Creflo Corey's dollar just coming in here just I love like it. I love you it. fit right in. <laughs> so I'm just wondering. Yes. I did think about this. Like, if this happened in Atlanta, would we all be going to World Changers? I, I don't mean, know. It's 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 possible. It's possible. I mean, it's it's so bizarre because I will say, like, oh man, like a lot of a lot of a lot of like charismatic slash prosperity gospel preachers like. I don't want to like as many things as many things occur that I look at and I'm just like that is excessive, that is unnecessary, <laughs> that is blah 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 blah. Then I also am like, yeah, I also see extremely like I see immense generosity from these people oh, as yeah. well too. Mm-hmm. To yep. where I'm also like, as much as like the theo- like you know like the part of me that like evaluates theology because I'm so qualified to do that. Like the part of me that does that. And I'm like, yo, that's wrong. I can also be like, yeah, but I've seen them help out in incredible ways Mm -hmm. and convict me with how generous they are at times. I'm just like, yo, I wouldn't do that. (laughs) 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 So that's crazy. But nonetheless, like, um, yeah, man, I don't know. Like, damn, what, what are you thinking? Cause do you, would you would you be a world changer if a hurricane hit here? Uh, I would. Um, doesn't he have that famous uh, guy who leads worship for him too? Um, I don't know. There's a, there's a, anyway. I digress. Okay. Um, I want to know where that goes, but continue. Um, yeah. So I think for me, I'm going to kind of take a different path answering that question. Okay. So I think that I am a hardcore like capitalist and small government person okay but i the only way that that can be true is if the church does its job in Mm -hmm. the equation that's right um and and the church needs to step up and serve the disenfranchised serve those people that have very little be the place that people can go to when there is a catastrophe be the be the shelter be the place that serves food and the people that have the resources that is the church needs to give enough so that they can provide for the yeah. people in that scenario. I think that one government can remain small, which is the best place for government to be. And two, the church can truly shine as the generous place that it should be knowing that everything we have is pretty much going to be gone. And that we, there's not a whole lot of value in the stuff we have. If it's not shared and given, um, as a collective unit, big true, C church. True. So when the church doesn't operate like that, it actually doesn't. It actually is super counterproductive to the gospel going out. It's super counterproductive for us being instrumental in in, in those places. And it actually instructs government to become bigger and stronger, and tells people you are not welcome here. And they look other places for support, and they look to government generally to do so. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of my biggest problem with that whole. Um, situation, but yeah, yeah, Sean, what do you think, man? Good take, Don. I think what you said is just on point. That like, 
I don't know, man. They're, they're, the churches, uh, 501c3 organizations with insurance policies and uh, real estate and mortgages and notes and staff, and there is a whole business component to church world uh, that I don't think is inherently wrong, bad, <laughs> evil, whatever. I think that's always been a part of organizations, people getting together. Paul is asking wealthier collections of Christians in the first century to give to uh, those in need. And I think that that takes people and staffing and whatever. So, And obviously it's not the same because it's a completely different culture and context. But I do think that's something that all the criticizers, and look, I'm not a I'm not a Joel Osteen dude. <laughs> like, so I just guess I need to clarify that. But I do think there's a lack of understanding that criticizes uh, all of just the basic mechanics of his organization. Mm-hmm. Call mm-hmm. it a church, whatever, yeah. uh, that people are not thinking about when they're throwing stones at the glass house. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's I, I do think it was pretty like fascinating watching it play out because I definitely agree with you, Corn, that like. I mean, I saw people like they stuck their flag in the yes. ground like right. this. This man is amazing, and the fact that you have touched not God's anointed like they love to throw that one out. Is there. he like, Christian <laughs> Beyonce? <or? laughs> it's a Christian Beyonce. Yeah, absolutely, oh. he absolutely is. But uh, but then there were people on the other side of it too, right? Who were just like. Like that man is trash. He's always been trash. Everything he said is trash. And I think that right. what he's doing is trash. And I want right. like and like and if you're supporting him, you're trash. Like I mean, it just it went down. It was this cascading thing. But you know, I think your take, uh, Dan, is interesting because I do think that on a, I think it's consistent. I think it fall. I think it, I think it does say a lot of those things because do people do, uh, the position that you hold only works if the church is the church in the in this massive way that called to be and um but but i do think that uh i hold that thought really quickly sean yeah yeah. what i'll say also though is that like the part of me that i don't want to say they got uh that it became this part of zealousness on my part or, or like but like i have a lot of you know i have a lot of um much of my family is is Muslim and and very faith traditions, but I think like I saw so many people who were like, "Well, I don't know what Joel is doing, but like this mosque is open, this this mosque is accepting. We did this mosque didn't wait until whatever, and there was just this level of like, man, like you know, and that's where I kind of got to this place of like, well, I do know of churches who are who who didn't, you know, damn the insurance, damn the whatever. Like they were just like, look, we just we gotta help these people. Like we gotta right. we gotta do, we gotta get in we gotta get feet on the ground and make things happen. And um but it was very interesting seeing like this kind of uh juxtaposition being held to like other faith communities almost almost competing for the goodwill Mm -hmm. of the populace around like Mm -hmm. who's willing to assist, who's willing to help. And, uh, it, it, it it definitely brought up a lot of interesting emotions. Sean, you were going to say, I just think it's fascinating what Dan was saying about what is required for the church to be the church and therefore limiting the size and maybe reach uh, of government. (laughs) Dan, what you're saying is that people, need to give of their resources to the church to help people essentially who are unlike them 
in, yeah. in, in many applications. And I think before we're anything, we are what our culture is. Um, and I just don't see anywhere in American culture where that resonates, where you take a, a wealthy or a middle class person and in general, they have a selfless concern for the poor because and that's that's just one dichotomy. That's one example. Uh, but our culture doesn't care about that. Our culture doesn't create people with the dispositions that when they arrive at their Christianity, they continue to do that. And obviously the gospel should affect that in right. people. But the last part to be converted in a man is his wallet. So I just don't see, <laughs> uh, I just don't see a church uh, in America where wealthy people support it because they bring their wealthy culture to it and the expectations they have and the norms. And I don't, see a culture where wealthy people consistently and generally care for the well-being of those who are not wealthy. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I disagree, but I it makes sense. I you I disagree do, with what? I I think that it can happen and I think it oh, does sure. and I think it does happen. Um I mean, I've been in circles with everyone at the table minus me because I was being mentored by one of the men there was multi multi-millionaires and and they were giving a, millions of dollars to to organizations to see sure. change happen and in 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 low income um kind of um uh desolate areas of Atlanta sure. and so uh i do think it happens i i don't i do think you're right to say that our culture doesn't tend itself but all the more for the church to be the church and for for us to to say that we are different is it was it would be to act different and sure and if we actually don't believe that cuz if we're not going to be different then what the hell are we doing right. um and so i agree with what you're saying that it is it is i would say the vast major i would say the vast majority of people who call themselves christians would fall into the category in which you just described um, where... and, and, and I don't necessarily fault people for that because, again, I think we are who our culture says we are before anything else. And I don't think a lot of people think about that. So your values, your morals, whatever, are more informed by your culture than your Christianity. And hopefully Christianity, your faith system, whatever, can influence that. But I don't think a lot of people reckon those two things together and think them through. And I would, and I would say, just to wrap it up and, and then we can wrap up in general, I would say that the, the people that you're describing are one of two people very young Christians who have not um, fully dove into scripture and fully matured in their faith to understand what is called of them to be Christian. Um, sure. Or the other option is they're not Christian, that mm. they would claim to be Christian, but they, they serve two masters. And uh, I would challenge anyone that has means that is not leveraging that means in order to for the kingdom and claims to be a christian and you know and has been and has lived in that claim for a period of time uh i would seriously challenge that fruit of like what the hell are you doing with your life yeah i would probably go at somebody say what the hell are you doing at your life but the assurance of salvation is not something that I'm gonna go after. I, mean, but I, I mean, get what you're saying. I mean, that it should. I think. It I think. Matter. I think you can. I don't. I don't have to question. I think. Chris. I think Scripture questions it for them. Hmm. Well, 
uh, I think that what is not up for question or debate is that we should end this right now yeah, because it's, <laughs> it's super late and uh, there uh, is a baby that has to be born and um, hey, hey. and uh, th- and I haven't got a text message to say hey wrap it up so. <laughs> that's all good but yeah hopefully certainly uh, next time uh, off the record records uh, if I'm not a dad next time we record <laughs> off the record there's a serious issue <laughs> <laughs> we we are believing it to be so uh that that will be the case um but um but um what we do tradition here is we do a scratch of the week which is essentially uh just a shout out of something a noun a person place thing that is doing something uh you know it can be something great it could be something bad um mm. and it can be anything or something you're reading a new album uh or a new story that caught your attention and I will go first because yeah, that's what's going to happen. Yo, I just want to shout out really quickly. Um, I was thinking of a few things to mention, but my scratch of the week will be, um, what, uh, what is called, um, you know, um, what started in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, Philando feeds the children, which mm-hmm. is, um, mm-hmm. uh, the late Philando Castile, who was mm-hmm. uh, killed uh, at a quote routine traffic stop um, with his girlfriend and the daughter, uh, four-year-old, in the seat, he was attempting to um, he was attempting to what he thought follow the uh, police officer's instructions and uh, let let the police officer know that he had. Uh, uh, had a weapon and was attempting to nonetheless you guys can look in the story although <laughs> I, I don't even want to get into it because i just get upset and mad mm-hmm. and all this stuff like that but nonetheless because that cop was uh not, not yeah acquitted um but philando castile was a part of the community uh very much so he worked at the uh worked at, at a i believe it was an elementary school might have been um uh, middle school whatever but Regardless, he uh, worked in lunch able and what he was known to do often was pay for the lunches of students who couldn't afford mm. them. And um, so uh, kind of as an honor um, in a way to keep that spirit of him alive, um, they started a Philando Feeds the Children um, um, fund, essentially, which allows people to donate. You can donate as well to clear lunch date lunch debts for students at the school mm. where Castile worked. Um, and I think just in light of um, what you've even seen most recently announced as today that New York has uh, approved, New York City has approved free school lunches for um, for kids in the education system. I just think it's insane <clears throat> to think that, you know, we live in a country with its wealth and with its resources that there are kids who go to school and cannot afford to eat um, mm-hmm. when there's like there's no getting around the fact that education is a part of what we need in this society. So, um regardless um some children the best meal they have in their entire day comes from the fact that they are getting a meal out of school which we can get into what is served in school and somewhere else but just focusing right here uh, i just think that it's an amazing program and one that shouldn't have to exist because he should be alive and be able to continue to uh pay those lunch debts himself but nonetheless Mm -hmm. philando feeds the children that is my scratch of the week that's what I got. What you got, Sean? Uh, I just want to 
I don't know. I say that I appreciate you guys. I appreciate the opportunity to be on here. Just want to, yeah. you know, give praises and shouts to Forth. Um, I was excited to be a part of this conversation. I'm excited to get another conversation uh, going in the weeks to come. Uh, for all you readers and thinkers and talkers, uh, we'll be talking more about that in the weeks to come. Uh, but I'm just thankful for Forth. Thankful to have a place uh, at this table. Uh, and a voice in the conversation. Absolutely. Do you uh, want to shout out? I'll just echo that real quick because yeah. my shout out is to Sean Little. Mm-hmm. Uh, this man, uh, for the fourth OGs uh, that are listening, this man, we had our first creative conversations, uh, and Sean was stoked on what we were doing enough to fly down and hang out. Uh, with us that weekend mm-hmm. um, and he has been hip to what fourth has been doing from the beginning um, constantly encouraging us and and helping us to kind of steer this ship um, through what has been um, at times uh, kind of you know delicate waters uh, so shout out to Sean little and just his constant uh, kind of just um, partnership uh, as a part of fourth I'm excited to he- for everyone to find out what he has cooking. Um, for all of the fourth fam coming very very soon word take us home corin man i have two let me try to pick which one yeah you can do both okay we don't know when we'll get you again please so in i guess the first one um so in light of the conversation we had i want to shout out to renewable energy um (laughs) because there's cost competitive non-political ones because you know they support the ethanol but you know there's biodiesel which i did my research on you can actually be competitive with fossil fuels and also shout out to alginol um they have like an algae technology um but all they're asking for is to get the same tax breaks as fossil fuels Mm -hmm. um so they can produce and make a lot of money and give us cheap gas but mexico said cool so they're producing in mexico that's what's but up but bring them to america uh hopefully rick perry i don't know he's not gonna do it <laughs> but my second one goes to black girls code so it's an organization mm-hmm. um that helps women particularly women of color get into the technology field and in particular i don't know if you guys heard about the whole thing with the uber ceo like oh, so there was this huge this. Yeah. um huge thing about um like just so I read the blog about the software engineer, um, just really ugly, um, sexual harassment. HR was involved, just awful. Um, if you go read it online, so I deleted the Uber app, and I'm just like, so, so Black Girls yeah. Code because they were, I guess, was part of them trying to clean up their image because the CEO is a complete like douche quesadilla. Mm-hmm. Um, he's I love a douche quesadilla. <laughs> I've never, I've never heard, that. heard that. That's amazing. So, and I'll be clear, he's ex CEO now, right? Ex-CEO. I think. Yeah, yes. I think there's a yeah. a, a woman, woman who's, yeah. who's now, mm-hmm. but, but yeah. still not getting the app back. I but, understand. You know, no, I'm with you. But whatever. With you. <laughs> but yeah, a good thing. But they're trying to clean up the act. So um, Black Girls. So they tried to donate 125 thousand dollars to Black Girls Code, and they said kick rocks, <laughs> which I, you know, I, yeah. you know, respect integrity it. because I do a lot that I'm not proud of for 125,000. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to shout them out so we can kind of donate so. if you want to, so they can get back their, the dirty money that they didn't. Absolutely. Um, didn't accept. So no, Black that, Girls Code. Mm-hmm. that's what's up. Black Girls Code. Definitely. Um, just, they've been doing some amazing work. And like, when you look at like the, um, when you see like the impact on like, just, I don't know, you just see a room full of like black girls, like sitting there mm-hmm. learning. You're just like, wow, this is, 
insane and it it you know hey if people all you people who went out there to see hidden figures and thought like hey this is amazing why don't anything like that happen now like hey it does. like it, it it does and it can um just you know it's right there for the taking and the supporting so that's very dope corn thank you so much for being with yes. us no, thanks for letting me come oh this my so gosh good. anytime anytime yeah that's, i love this this is really fun that's what's up so i can come here and say things that are gonna embarrass my mom so. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry our parents are oh, desperately uh embarrassed of us my my parents have no idea fourth district exists <laughs> and i'm just trying to keep it that way for as long as i can until I can show them that check yeah. from My the sponsor. She be follows like... two people on Twitter. Okay. Me and Fourth District. Oh, man. <laughs> so <laughs> she knows. So she's going to be tagged in this tomorrow. This was <laughs> but yo, oh, man, that was another episode of Off the Record. Please hit us up. Let us know any of your questions, your concerns, thoughts, uh, anything you're angry about. Please hit Dan about it. He's waiting to talk about all of that with you. So waiting. Gosh, I can't wait to mute. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And also just make sure you tell a friend, tell somebody else to check us out. Please uh, rate us on iTunes. I think we're we, we are there yeah. to, available to be rated, available yeah. to be judged. We're watered down by the rest of the the podcast. Oh, uh, we're drained we're, down. We're, yeah. we're like being pulled down by pulled down the, by the by the those other tens and you know hangers on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those other people. Yeah. Nonetheless. Uh but you can still uh subscribe there. Uh, mm-hmm. and get us and and uh, and comment and and yeah for real tell your friends about us please because uh, this only happens if you guys tune in and absolutely uh, um, and and let us know what you think if you disagree genuinely want yeah, to have conversations absolutely that's like the the crux right. of fourth and 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 all of that and come on guys like give us some cool we've been pretty consistently two weeks come like, on like like i feel like that's a streak yeah that's Players. what i'm saying like 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 i need an icon from snapchat to like <laughs> pop up on this week's episode absolutely absolutely nonetheless though we appreciate y'all and we will see y'all next time all right peace i some a time, don't got no time no more.